Imagine if you could sit down at your desk in the morning, piping hot coffee in hand, you could pop open your laptop, double click on a document on your desktop that says life plan, so you could check on what's happening this week, this month, or even this year. Well, I wanna help you create that plan. Let's spend five days together making a roadmap for your future so that you can live all the rest of your days on purpose. Yes, you can own the future that's coming your way. The five-day Own Your Future Challenge is absolutely free to join, and I've got a spot with your name on it. Don't let another week, month, year, or even decade pass you by without owning the vision for who you want to become and the impact you want to make while you're alive. This is five free days of learning from incredible world leaders, helping you to uncover who you truly are and leading you to craft a roadmap and set goals aligned with the future meant for you. This is important. Join me and other amazing global leaders and experts to help you own your future starting May 11th. You can join right now for free at jennaschallenge.com. That's jennaschallenge.com for the five-day Own Your Future Challenge. I can't wait to see you there. You're listening to The Gold Digger Podcast, episode number 176. I have been waiting to have this guest on for what feels like forever. Jen Gotch is the epitome of a girl boss as she founded Bandeau with a friend in 2008 with no prior business experience, and she was able to transform it from a small vintage one-of-a-kind hair accessories company into a multi-million dollar brand within years. After a long and winding road of jobs that led her to where she is today, she is now the chief creative officer and fearless leader of the Bandeau team. On top of that, Jen is a fierce mental health advocate, and I am so excited to hear her inspiring messages surrounding both business and in life and her honesty. In this episode, you're going to learn how Jen got her amazing start to Bandeau, but also why her current mission is changing a little bit about spreading awareness on mental health. Jen thinks that entrepreneurs are specifically challenged by mental health concerns, and she wants to share tangible ways that we can be there for one another and how we can talk about something that has a stigma around it when it shouldn't. I love this conversation with Jen. She is such a trooper and just really showing up. And I know that as somebody who has thankfully not struggled with mental illness, it is something that so many entrepreneurs are facing and feeling alone in. And so I truly think that she is changing the world with the way that she's leading this conversation. Before we dive on into Jen's interview, I want to share the review of the week, which comes from BZen TV. It's titled Amazing Biz Resource. Jenna has helped me to reframe the way I look at marketing, and it's improved my business immeasurably. This podcast is also super entertaining, and from a girl boss perspective, I love it. Thank you so much for leaving a review. Every single time you leave that, it really helps me get amazing guests like Jen on the show, and it really helps keep our mission moving forward. Now, without further ado, let's dive on into today's interview with Jen Gotch of Bando. You're listening to the Gold Digger Podcast, where we firmly believe that work doesn't have to feel like work. Self-made millionaire and marketing guru Jenna Kutcher will help you redefine what success looks like. It's time to hear from the experts, listen in on honest conversations, and learn the best tips and tricks that helped others pave their own way and craft their dream career. 
If you're ready to dig in, do the work, and tackle your biggest goals, you're in the right place. Here's your host, educator, photographer, and mac and cheese lover, Jenna Kutcher. Thinking about starting that new business? I know it's holding you back, having all the legal things like contracts in place. This episode of the Gold Digger Podcast is brought to you by The Contract Shop. Head to jennacutcher.com slash contracts to check out my five favorite products and save yourself 20% off. That's jennacutcher.com slash contracts. All right, guys, you've just heard me talk about how incredible Jen is. But in case you've never stumbled upon Jen, which pretty much means you're living under a rock. <laughs> Jen, can you just kick this whole thing off and kind of tell us your story? Because I followed you for years and just been enamored at the growth, but also your transparency. And so who is Jen Gotch? <laughs> it is honestly one of my most dreaded questions because <laughs> I either can start at the beginning. I was born at Mamadi's Hospital in Brooklyn, New York in 1971 and take you through every moment or like figuring out how to like identify who I am. You know, I grew up in South Florida. I didn't actually know about creativity until I had graduated from college. Now, it was something that existed in my life. And I say this because I consider myself in part a creative entrepreneur. I didn't actually know that that was a thing or could be a thing. And I knew I had this sort of like passion to take what's inside and put it outside, but I didn't know what that was. So I was planning to go to law school, had a change of heart, had a nervous breakdown. (laughs) (laughs) They might be related. I don't know. I blame it all on the birth control, but on the pill, (laughs) but but that's a whole other, we won't get there unless, because this isn't a six hour podcast, right? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, we're going to keep it under an hour, but this is a whole other discussion. Yeah, that's a whole, I can come back for a series and decided sort of randomly to move out to California, which really kind of jump started. I would say like the person I became, it really opened my eyes to creativity and the just like large expanse of careers that are available. You know, at this point, there still really wasn't the internet. So, and there definitely wasn't social media. So there wasn't the same kind of access to this sort of information. You know, it's like now I think of someone in their early 20s just like could actually look at the landscape and see all the opportunities for what you could be when you grow up. So I spent a lot of time toggling between a bunch of different creative jobs, copywriting and styling and eventually photography, but also did like personal assistant and clean toilets. And I really kind of ran the gamut of like any bartending and just like really once I got into styling, which I did food and prop styling, that was like the first time in my life where I felt like this could actually be a career. I knew that once I found out about creativity, that whatever I was going to do for a living was going to in part define me. And which is not the way everyone sees it, as it turns out. I couldn't understand that. I remember my mom saying like, can't you just get a job and then do what you want on the weekends? And I was like, I I don't understand that concept at all. (laughs) And, and I had seen many friends, you know, study accounting and 
become an accountant or like be a drug rep for, you know, some big corporation or whatever they were doing. And then they were enjoying their lives outside of the nine to five. But I just knew that that wasn't going to work for me. I don't know if it's that I don't have a strong enough work ethic on my own (laughs) or, you know, I think there's a huge connection between, you know, plugging into your passion and success. And so I must have known that on some level. And so styling really, really was that for me. I was like 31 when I actually kind of got on my feet financially and like became an actual stylist after years of assisting. So I would say I'm a bit of a late bloomer. I'm 46 now. So I say that to give other people permission, you know, and I've changed my career multiple times since then. But that really was, you know, the first job where I was having some creative control and um, seeing ideas come to life in a really meaningful way, you know, like seeing your work in like the Nordstrom catalog or in a cool magazine or in a commercial, you know, it's like really validated things for me. And I think it just started to kind of build from there. And I eventually started to transition into commercial photography because I saw the opportunities both creatively and financially. And I felt like it wasn't that big of a jump from what I was doing. You know, I was doing so much to create the final image that I was like, man, if I just learned about light and exposure and aperture, I could make 10 times the amount of money I'm making. So I did that. And then I sort of simultaneously started a blog because blogs were kind of becoming a big thing at the time and not so much in the way that they are now, which is definitely more of businesses. You know, at that point they were like editorial outlets or journals. And I guess I had, I guess I'm a content creator at heart (laughs) and I'm still kind of discovering that about myself, but between the photography, the styling and the blog, it sort of laid this groundwork to be able to launch a business, at least an e-commerce site. And so my friend and I had both like separately made these really elaborate headpieces. And I was like, I think I'm going to sell mine because I felt like we had tapped into the creative consciousness and that had happened to me before. And I really hadn't ever had the opportunity to actually do something with it. And she was like, I think I'm going to sell mine too. And then we were like, well, maybe we should just sell them together. And and Bando was born. <laughs> That's how Bando started. We were, you know, we were one of a kind, all vintage material, really elaborate hair accessories that on average retailed for about $200 a piece. So it's, it's a much different landscape than it is now, but a lot of the same intention is still there. And so that sort of started me on, not that I'm going to take you through every day of the last 10 years of Bando, but that is really when I started to pivot and become an entrepreneur. You know, we didn't set out to do what has happened. We just wanted to sell things that we made and connect with people. And it was like the right thing at the right time. Um, But it just, you know, it's opened all these doors. And then about six years ago, we sold the company. My partner, Jamie, had to move out of state. And we happened to be acquired by like the most amazing couple and our parent company is called lifeguard press. And so it's all privately owned. It wasn't like this big corporate merger, but they essentially came in with the skill set that was like 
extremely complementary to the skill set that we had, which was all like creativity and branding and aesthetics and visuals. And they understood manufacturing, distribution, <laughs> warehousing, customer service, you know, they understood the business side. So we, I always liken it to like us being sort of this like pink cloud of of ideas and energy. And they came in with this like skeleton and turned it into a thing that could move around and go in a direction. And so I've been in like some version of business school since then, just like learning. And then, you know, the mental health advocate piece kind of came later and was actually something that my longtime therapist predicted probably about 15 years ago. And I was like, well, how would I ever do that? Like, I don't, I'm not, there were, you know, without social media, you know, it's you, people give, you know, give it a bad rap, but I feel like it's done some amazing things for our society, along with the really devastating things that it's done. But, you know, I found I had a platform and I really, just like most things in my life was using it because personally I had things I wanted to get out and I didn't, I didn't really think about the implications of that, which is probably a little bit irresponsible, but it is what it is. That's the truth. And kind of off and running. So in the short version of who I am is I would say a, a businesswoman, a creative entrepreneur, a mental health advocate, a podcaster and a yeah. author in process. <laughs> I don't know. I just started writing a book. So so I'm a multi hyphenate. <laughs> I love it. So let's first talk about Bandeau. Like what is it now? Because it is so different. Yeah. I own your products. Yeah. I actually have the Jen Gotch pin. So oh, thank you. Oh, I love that. Um, <laughs> I just remember getting an email that it was like, there's a bet that if we can sell these out today. And I was like, yeah. I think we did. Yeah. I think we did too. So talk a little bit about that transition because Bando is so different today and it has yeah. an incredible following and an incredible line of products. So what has that journey looked like from selling headpieces to now this giant company that has so many different products uh, for sale and so much going on? Yeah, I would say in a word, overwhelming. <laughs> you know, again, we didn't enter in with any sort of mission or plan. It really was just a side project. And then once we sold, you know, we, we definitely stayed in the hair accessories, but more, I'm reluctant to say mass produced because I think like we were doing a couple hundred, at, you know, of each style at the time. But, you know, we, we were replicating things and we had already started some of that before we sold. But we had started a pivot because obviously like vintage one-of-a-kind hair accessories, there's no there's no real trajectory for a business like that. So, And then really the reason that Lifeguard acquired us was because they're a licensing company. So they do licenses for much larger brands like Kate Spade or Lily Pulitzer. They had Jonathan Adler at the time, and they were looking for a brand that they could apply all of that sensibility to products and have like a house brand. So that was really the pivot started from the sale. And, you know, we kind of were a lifestyle company. So a lot of that was kind of considered the gift market. So, you know, it's paper products or tech products. Now we're in a little bit of apparel and handbags, but it's a pretty broad category. So for like a small group of creatives, because I think there was like four or five of us at the time, it was like, take your pick. Like, what do you want to make? Um, 
And so, you know, the next several years were really about learning, especially like when there's a consumer involved and there are designers involved, like there's design sacrifices that you have to make to appeal to a wide range of people. And we were really stubborn about the ideas that we wanted. And and some of them were amazing and really resonated and some didn't. And so it's been really interesting to to understand that. And so, yeah, we just sort of grew, you know, grew product on top of product and really early on created our planners that are our best selling product, which was just like, I was like, what people use planners? I don't understand. <laughs> like, aren't there computers for that? But it's a huge thing and was such a fun project to work on. And so, and then alongside all the product stuff, you know, you, you talked about the following, we really spent a lot of time trying to build our brand and our brand voice and just like get the word out. Because I think now in retrospect, when I look at like what our mission is and, and what we're trying to do, we were doing that all along, but because it was a group of really inexperienced experienced branders and marketers, you know, we didn't really know how specifically and how often you needed to reiterate certain things. So we're getting better about that now. But yeah, it's just so it's really just grown on those ideas. We never went after like big VC funding or so we kind of like earn it, you know, if something does well, then we get to try something else. And so it's a little bit different than a lot of the other brands and companies that are out there. But it's been great. So what is <laughs> it's your, an interesting thing. Yeah, I mean, like it is so amazing and it's so beautiful. And anyone that goes to the website, like it, it just sucks you in. So what is your current role? Like what does your role look like with Shop Bando right now? Yeah. So my title is chief creative officer, although we just had a long discussion about titles <laughs> and how hard it is to sum it up, <laughs> encapsulate a person. I was like, this doesn't make, I'm like, okay, sure. That's their title, but they also do this. How do you put that in there? So anyway, so that's my title. So I'm essentially like, it essentially what it means for us. And it means a lot of different things to a lot of different companies, but what it means for us is that I'm the creative lead for the company. I am the visionary for the brand. I kind of look at everything that's happening and decide, where we should go next and what our future looks like. And I, and I also at the same time, kind of, I'm at the inception of ideas. So if we're starting a season or a year or a campaign, I'm there to give some, lay some groundwork and then kind of help steer the ship through. But there are definitely like boots on the ground every day, really working and executing and contributing their own ideas. I've sort of was the boots on the ground and the ideator for everything for a really long time. And then just realized that there were other things I wanted to do and that my biggest value to the brand was to be able to kind of look into the future and knowing that I wanted to take on these other projects, it just made sense. So So it's like I'm in the office on some days, other days I'm working from home, other days I'm working on other projects, but I feel like we have a really great system. And as someone who is a freelancer for 14 years, it's, it's nice to (laughs) not be tethered to a desk like I have been for 10 years. So I love it. So one of the reasons why I wanted you on and to provide a tiny bit of context is this year I'm leading 25 women through the year as entrepreneurs. And at a recent retreat, I had everyone kind of get up and just say, you know, here's what's going well, here's what's not going well, Mm. and just kind of share where they were at. And these are some of the most successful women you would ever see. 
hundreds of thousands of followers, all the accolades, all the titles. Mm. And yet there was a theme of mental illness, people struggling with anxiety, people struggling with depression, people struggling with panic attacks. And Jen, I knew after hearing that, that I had to have you on the show because you have showed up in some of the most vulnerable states, but especially in the last year, as you've shifted to really advocate for mental illness, you were the expert I thought of in just talking about this. And so talk to me a little bit about your own journey with mental illness and kind of what that has looked like for you. Sure. Well, I will say I'm a reluctant expert, but I always like to qualify it as I feel like I'm an expert in my own experience. And what I have found is that what I thought was my own personal special experience is actually one that's shared by millions of people. So, So everything I say is in the context of that. But, you know, I... Now that I've had time to retrospectively like look back at my life and see, I I mean, I was having episodes of bipolar when I was like seven years old. So it's been with me for a very long time. It didn't have a name for all of my childhood and adolescence and teenage years. And it wasn't until after college that I got my first of many diagnoses and that was depression. And that was after the nervous breakdown that I mentioned. And then I moved out to California and I had a boyfriend who I just like loved so much. And he was like, you should go to therapy. I didn't know he was getting ready to dump me, but uh, (laughs) um, it was great advice. And so I started on that journey, which really helped me, you know, build my own self-awareness and like understand what was going on and start to be able to articulate the symptoms and the feelings and eventually led to a more accurate diagnosis for me, which was bipolar And then the anxiety came during that time, although I can can think about being like 14, 15, having anxiety. But again, it's just like all that stuff went nameless for so long that it took me years to like looking back at journals before I was like, oh, wait, I've had this for a long time. And I've been, you know, medicated 90% of the last 23 years. I had like a four-year period where actually during Bando, where I thought I would be okay without it, which is a really common thing. And sometimes you are okay, but it's a really common thing. But I've been back on a different protocol, but since last December, and it's just like, really, really helped me. Like I actually don't, I mean, you said something about showing up, but it's, it's like, I was pretty overtly suffering. (laughs) Like, I don't know that it would be appropriate behavior for most workplaces, but I'm in a, an incredibly special and fortunate circumstance to be able to be really open about how I'm feeling. Although I think sometimes a little a little too open. I don't, you know, (laughs) but maybe it's helped. I I try and find positives and all negatives. So So yeah, and it's, you know, I like to say it is not a linear journey. And, you know, sometimes you take steps forward and sometimes you take steps back and all the while your body is changing, your body chemistry is changing. If you're a woman, hormones play a huge part in that. So it's like, you're kind of, once you identify it, you're kind of committing to a lifetime of management. 
And so that's like, that's sort of what I do now. I was like driving into work today and I was like, sometimes I get scared when I have felt good for many weeks in a row because <laughs> I'm just yeah. like, oh, <laughs> I don't know what that when means. Crash? Yeah. yeah. But you can kind of keep your baseline. I think it has to do with like where you can keep your baseline and know that there would still be highs and lows around that because we don't need to have a diagnosed mental illness to have good days and bad days. Like we all get those. So, you know, mood stabilization, all that is a huge, very in tune to that and always kind of like checking in on that. So yeah, do I don't know. I think I answered the question, but sometimes I create my own questions in my head. Okay. <laughs> I remember the first time that you decided to go public about this in like what season you were in or what stage of your mental illness you were in when you decided to share it with the world? Mm, I mean, I've been sharing it from the moment I got a diagnosis at 23. I just didn't have the platform that I have today. I mean, I actually feel like I've been talking about it on social media for a really long time. I just wasn't focused on it the way I am now, which took me really, it wasn't that I was not comfortable with sharing anything and everything because that's just like my <laughs> gift and my curse, but I just didn't identify as that, as like a teacher or an advocate. Like I just identified as like, a creative director at a company. And so I was just like, I don't know that that makes sense. And just like a bunch of things started aligning. I think probably around the time that I was getting a divorce, which actually has been, that's probably been a couple years. You know, I started sharing some stuff that I had been holding for a while because I wanted to protect my ex-husband. And, and I, and the, just the, what I was receiving in return was so overwhelmingly positive and encouraging. I felt like I really had no choice but to take that spot. Yeah. So that's just what I've done. Sometimes it still feels kind of weird to me when I get kind of didactic in a post or, you know, I'm just like, I don't know that you have any business doing this, <laughs> but I do it anyways. I think that's like the true mark of like people that change the world though, is it's like, who am I to do this or say this or show up this way? And it's like, what, who am I not to do that? And I want to know out of curiosity, we've been super public about having miscarriages. And while it's been probably one of the biggest ways that I feel like we've changed the stigma around mm. miscarriage, it's also been really hard as well, because it opens up for other people to share about their experiences. Mm -hmm. And I'm in a season right now where we are pregnant, and we've made it past some really big mm. milestones. But I had to almost create like a protection around me during that season mm -hmm. when I wasn't sure if it was going to last. Mm. Do you have any experiences similar to that? Because I can only imagine that in your vulnerability, people feel comfortable in sharing their own experiences mm -hmm. with you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I get a lot. Of, there's a lot of sharing, which I also encourage. Yeah, I think I've always been pretty good about compartmentalizing. My dad said that to me the other day. He's like, you've always been really good at compartmentalizing. I'm like, what are you even talking about right now? How do you know? And then I also do feel like I can put up a shield pretty quickly. That is like not the naked I cannot see. So I think I when it, I'm not good at protecting myself one-on-one. -on -one. Like I think my issues are more with like specific intimate friendships or relationships or work stuff. But I think like dealing with large groups, it's like 
been at least at this point, I haven't hit a threshold. Like, I'm just like, if I can't look at it today, I'm just not going to look at it, you know? But I don't know. You can ask me. I can come on every year and tell you what's different. (laughs) Recent estimates show that 30 to 50% of potential clients are closed by the service provider who responds to them first. That could be a lot of clients you're missing out on just because you don't have all your stuff together. One way you can respond faster is with a solid contract. In fact, that is precisely why the contract shop was founded. In less than 10 minutes, you can have a contract tailored to your specific industry, filled out and delivered to a client before anyone else even has a chance to open up their email. No more crossing your fingers and hoping everything goes right. To learn about my five must-have products and to get 20% off your purchase, head to jennacutcher.com slash contracts. That's jennacutcher.com slash contracts. Oh my gosh, this is why I love you. So you recently launched an incredible podcast called Jen Gotch is Okay. And I want to know what the story is behind it, what is fueling you to do all of this work and why you chose to do this. Because like we said before, podcasting is a lot of work. And so what fuels you through that work? Yeah. Well, the long name of my podcast is Jen Gotch is Okay Sometimes, which is <laughs> indicative of uh, my mood and my status. But, you know, I think it was something that I wanted to do. Well, actually, I know it was something I wanted to do for a really long time and just didn't know how to make that work in and amongst my responsibilities at Bandeau and like, we're not a media company. So I, I just couldn't figure out how to logistically make it work. And I'm, and also I'm a big believer of like, you know, right thing, right time. And I think I would have been saying really different things had I done it three years ago when I bought a microphone for podcasting. (laughs) But I, I had gone on the girl boss podcast with Sophia last year and we had actually never met. We met as I was a guest because we were trying to get lunch and it kept getting moved. And I was like, why don't I just come on your podcast? And we hit it off. And I think in her mind, she knew that they were going to be expanding their network. And like a month or two later, she texted me and asked me if I wanted to have a podcast, which I immediately said yes, because I just was like, she'll know what to do. <laughs> like she's a doer and she's like, brilliant. yeah. And it'll just happen. So I, and then she said, would you want to do a mental health podcast? And I said, no, <laughs> absolutely not. <laughs> and we talked about it and I was like, I have some ideas of what I wanted to do, which inevitably kind of became somewhat of a mental health podcast. But I think my reluctance was like sort of what I alluded to earlier, where I just, I didn't want to be like interviewing doctors and talking about really clinical things. And I really wanted it to be about really be an autobiographical podcast, which is what it is. But I feel like at 46 with a handful of great careers and the mental health stuff thread through and different relationships and just building my own emotional intelligence and reading and researching the mind, like I feel like I have information to offer and insight and in a way that's like funny and relatable. And so that's what it is. And I, and I'm sure it'll take on many incarnations, you know, as you know, you'd have to start somewhere, even if it doesn't feel like it's the perfect place and build from there. And so that's what we're doing. And it fuels me in that 
everything that I pursue at this point in my life has to fuel me. Otherwise, like I don't have enough gas on my own. So yeah, it's, it's also fun to be new at something and to not be in charge of all of it. I mean, although like, obviously I'm controlling the content and, you know, they're supporting me, but even at the beginning it was like, well, there's no proof that I know what I'm talking about. I forgot how good I had it at Bandeau where like Mm -hmm. essentially what I say goes, you know, in some way. So it was humbling and, a really good lesson for me. So, and obviously like so amazing when people, you know, message me or email me or stop me in the street and say that it's changed something for them, which is ultimately what it's about. I'm sure it's the same for you. You know, it's a, it's my, one of the ways that I want to give back. I love that. Do you have any advice for entrepreneurs that struggle with mental illness? Like how do you get through those hard seasons? What does it look like when you have so much responsibility, Mm -hmm. people that you need to answer to? Like, how do you even navigate those seasons? Yeah, it's, you know, I think there's a lot of different ways to slice that. I, I always think like knowledge of your own, of like, what your pressure points are, what, what are the precursors to like a something, the bottom falling out and understanding that. And then, you know, for me, I think like just as a personality trait, like I do like to take what might be a weakness and extract some strength from it or, you know, I'm an optimist. So I, I just like to turn things around. So I think like for me, I used my anxiety. You need some level of anxiety when you're building a company out of your living room. Like you need to be worried and you need to triple check (laughs) things. And, you know, and so I think, and like with bipolar, you know, there's mania and you have a rush of ideas and I use those ideas to make a bag shaped like a watermelon or whatever, you know? So (laughs) it's like, I think I've just tried to, you know, just make it work for me. And then again, I'm in a special situation because I just created an emotional workplace because I didn't had never worked anywhere else before. So I just thought it was okay to have emotions at work. I found out later that it's frowned upon, (laughs) but where there's no changing our workplace. And so, you know, I always, when people ask me, you know, I'm like, just see what you can push through at work. You know, companies are changing. There's so many more women run business, which not to say that men, I mean, I have, there's a ton of men that work at a high level at Bando that have been amazing, doesn't even begin to address how they've handled all of this. And so those people are out there too, and just like looking for it. But, you know, the other thing is like, sometimes you got to just lay down and not go to work. And that's an important thing too. You can't just grind your way through every issue, whether it's physical or mental or emotional, you know, but I think it's like really understanding what's just stress, what's anxiety, what's you nearing your breaking point. And listen, I've, I've collapsed on the floor here, not able to move. So I, it took me a long time to identify that too. (laughs) I'm better at it now. There are guardrails and there's lots of people protecting me, but yeah, I mean, I just, as somebody who hasn't personally struggled too Mm -hmm. intimately with mental illness. Like I think of how hard it is just to show up every day, not feeling any of those things. And I just can't imagine navigating those seasons where like getting out of bed is hard, let alone Mm -hmm. trying to manage and run something that is growing at breakneck speeds. Like I just have so much admiration for you and just your honesty around that 
I mean, how did you start the conversation with your team? You've just always been open about it? Yeah. You know, I think it's never like I can totally I identify that there's a huge stigma around mental illness and those kinds of conversations. I just was like unaware of that at very early on. And so it just was never a consideration for me. Like I wasn't like, I never thought, should I tell them this or not? Like, <laughs> it's just like part of it. So it's very rarely been an issue. You know, it's a, it's a big responsibility and I try and shoulder that. So, you know, I, I try to be a good example at work, even though, like I said, I've, I've had, I've definitely had some really poor examples of what managing mental health could look like. I try day to day to be a good example of like functioning with mental illness. And I think that's like the most important thing and probably the biggest value that I can add to whether it's a company or my relationships or social media or whatever. Is like, I think sometimes, you know, the examples that we have are not great. (laughs) And I want to, you know, I want to show that it's like you can, I can be in bed and not be able to talk or move. And then like four days later, not, (laughs) you know, so yeah, it's a, you know, it's a fine balance. And also, again, this is my way of doing it. I think there's a thousand ways to succeed and a thousand ways to fail at doing it. And, you know, you got to figure out what, what's going to work for you and your situation and your environment. But you know, ultimately transparency about it. And then humor. I feel like I get away with a lot because mm-hmm. I'm funny. <laughs> so you I just do, use that to do. my advantage. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Well, I think too, one of the biggest things is just granting people permission through your own actions. And I think mm-hmm. that what like encourages me about you is when you show up no matter where you're at, it just gives people the permission to say, Oh my gosh, I thought I was the only one like me too. And I think, you know, with all the me too movements happening, the funniest me too I have between you and I is I was following you on the day somebody texted me. It was like, you have to follow this girl because she reminds me of you. And you had found a chin hair and you named your chin (laughs) hair. And it was the funniest series of videos I think I've ever seen. And I was like, Oh my gosh, me too. Like I thought I was the only one finding random chin hairs where you wonder how the heck did I not notice this growing on my face for like two months? Like, yeah. And so it is just funny that like sometimes in just being ourselves or like sharing those things, like it gives people that permission. And I think that just in the way that you do that, it's really powerful. I want to know, like, what is your favorite thing about talking about mental health? Like if there's like one thing where you're just like, this fires me up or this is why I do it. What is that one thing? I mean, I think it has to do with the impact that it has on other people, you know, even just like, especially since it's been like really ramped up over the last like six or eight months, just the the conversations that have changed for me as far as like, if someone does stop me, or even if we have a bando event, you know, it's tends to be less about like my clothes or the product and more about like, I've been struggling with that my whole life, or I didn't know what anxiety was until you posted a video of yourself having it. And that happens to me all the time. And so like to be able to like, know that the simple idea of sharing my thoughts and experiences actually could be, I don't know, it sounds like so dramatic to be like changing people's lives. But um, I think that's probably 
the solitary favorite thing because most of it's not like something that I guess you would consider like let me pick a favorite about this awful <laughs> thing <laughs> but you know just like what it can build what it can build and how it can bring people together and you know have some light bulb moments for people is cool to be a part of yeah what is your least favorite like stigma around mental health that you hope to change well, I mean, I think just the idea of like being able to like function and, and succeed somehow it's not like you're brandished with this and you can't and that, I mean, that's going to define the rest of, of your life and limit you. I mean, I think it's just like any other, other illness and just that it's like the fact that it that you shouldn't talk about that. I mean, that's going to change over time. It's just, it's hard because it's like, you can't see it. It's a, it's always been harder for people to talk about things that they can't have proof of. I mean, you know, the earth was flat at one point. <laughs> so I think it's just <laughs> like, eventually, you know, that'll change. But I hate that it's like taboo when it's something that is so widespread. Well, you're changing the game. What Thanks. is really just making you excited these days? You have so many projects going on. I'm sure <laughs> I know. Like five seasons from now, your launch of Bandeau. Like what, what are you excited about right now as a creative entrepreneur? Well, you know, obviously the podcast is super exciting and like starting to write a book is exciting. But I will say, you know, there's some really exciting stuff happening with Bando because, you know, I found a way to sort of like work in some mental health stuff into Bando, which I was like, always like, how can I connect dots? And and we did these necklaces and yeah. which was apparently a very bold move, but I didn't know it when I had the idea, but I think it was just like... I don't know, my spirit guides put that in my brain and was like, just do this. But it's really ignited a huge brand refresh for us. And, you know, kind of this aha moment for me that like, this isn't about for Bando, it's not about, you know, mental illness. It's about good mental health and feeling better and feeling good and getting better and enjoying life. And, you know, we've spent so much time trying to bring joy and happiness to people through language and color. And, but we just were calling it fun. And it's so much more than that. And I had always felt a little bit trivialized by that, but at the same time, understood the inherent value of having a brand that people could describe in one word. So I really didn't want to mess with it. But I just feel like the time is now for us to use this power that we have being all over the world and stores and to say, you know, this color means this and it can make you feel this. And this is what self-care actually looks like. And, you know, just like actually digging into feeling better in a way that's something we've been trying to express behind the scenes for years and years and years. I just don't think we I don't know. We just weren't getting it right where the necklaces kind of popped a bubble for us. And so I'm like, oh, okay, great. Like, let's go. So, you know, so we're kind of reworking what that looks like for us. And I think like, it doesn't mean like there's huge change as far as like aesthetically or product wise. But when I look back at everything we've done and all the language we've used, it's always been positive. You know, it's always been funny or inspiring or lighthearted. And just to be able to like put it through this new lens is 
I think it's just exciting for all of us. And obviously, the necklaces are a huge philanthropic effort for us. We've donated a ton of money. 100% of the net proceeds go to bring change to mind. So it's just, I feel like, you know, this year is our 10-year birthday. And I just like, it came at a perfect time to look at the next 10 years and be able to do something impactful. Just in the same way that I was like, you know what, I don't think I need to post that many pictures of my brunch anymore on Instagram. Like I could actually say something that's important. And so I'm just really thrilled to be able to do that with Bando too, because, you know, it's important for me that everything I'm involved in has some significance. So... Well, and the necklaces too. So the necklaces were like basically calligraphy that said depression or anxiety. You also had a Mm -hmm. bipolar one. Bipolar Um, 7.8. We have one last one coming out and then the the story will be told. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and I just think it was so cool because even at the beginning of the show, you said like, I hate titles. Like, how can you sum anything up in just a title? And I think what is so beautiful about those necklaces is one, you're removing the shame aspect which should have never been implied to anything like that. But also like I know one of my dear friends has the bipolar one and she's like, you know, it gave me the confidence to tell people about this and, and to help them understand a little bit more and to open up that conversation. Like if I'm wearing it, clearly I'm confident enough to talk about it. Mm-hmm. And so if you think about not just the necklace, but the conversations that are being had that would have yeah. never been had, it's, it's insane. Oh, yeah. It's really amazing. And that was the intention for it to be a conversation starter. And it's, you know, it's a very delicate nameplate necklace. So it's not like it's emblazoned, you know, <laughs> in, in a really larger way. But, you know, I mean, I wear one almost every day. And, you know, it's very common to people like, wait, what does that say? And then it'll be like anxiety. They're like, wait, I have anxiety. And just the amount of of feedback. And, you know, we've sold thousands and thousands of those necklaces, which is encouraging and discouraging. But it's like, I mean, to me, those are like my mental health foot soldiers out there, you know, working to do what we want to do, like to just to destigmatize it, to open up conversations, to build awareness. And it's just like, it definitely was one of those things where I didn't plan for that. I was just like, I just knew I wanted to say something. And, you know, I think in products a lot of times, just because I've been trained that way now, but just glad it happened. And there's definitely been, you know, it's upsetting for a lot of people, but I, uh, I mean, I'm told that's when you know you're actually doing something yes. impactful. So we just haven't ever had any controversy. So everyone was like, well, it's going on. Oh, take it, girl. Take like, it. It means I know. Waves. I was like, I think it's cool if someone calls you the C word. I feel like that yeah. means you've really, you've really <laughs> made arrived. it. Oh, my God. Well, where can everybody connect with you online? Where can they shop and where can they tune in? Give us all the places. Is is this where I give out my phone number? No, (laughs) please don't do that. (laughs) Well, I'm just Jen Gotch on Instagram and pretty much everywhere else. I mean, I am Jen Gotch. If you see me in the street, you can call me that. Bando is shop Bando on Instagram and Bando.com, B-A-N-D-O. And podcasts is any, anywhere you can find a, a podcast, you will find mine. Jen Gotch is okay sometimes. And those are the most places. Yeah, I tend to give out different email 
addresses. <laughs> hey, Jen at Bando.com. I have so many email addresses because I'm like, oh, email me about this. But it's the um, wrong address. I'm actually pretty super easy to get a hold of. So come find me if you'd like. Just not yeah. at my home in the middle of the night. <laughs> Please. <laughs> Everyone, I would just so encourage. Jen has brightened so many of my days without even knowing it with mm. her Instagram stories and just with her vulnerability. And I think too, as someone who has been fortunate to not struggle with mental illness, I feel like you've raised the bar in just simple awareness and knowing how we can show up for other people, but also just really acknowledging and giving people permission. Like, it's okay. This does not define you. Like you you have so much more than just this title on you. And so just thank you for all your work for real. Of course. Well, I'm glad to hear that something that I might have done made you happy. Well, and your chin hair and my chin hair can hang out in real life. Real I've soon. got a new one. I get a new one, you know, every few months. So have you named it yet? <laughs> no. Now I just pulled them out. I there don't even go. it's just like over. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much, Jen. Of course. Man, that Jen, I tell you, she is just incredible. And you guys seriously need to follow her on Instagram stories. Her stories are ones that I will never miss because they are just so relatable where you're like, wait, I literally thought I was the only one. I think what's so amazing is that Jen's business started with pretty products. And she still thinks in products. She even admitted that. But now there is such a bigger mission tied to it. And I think nowadays it's so challenging as entrepreneurs because we know we want to change the world, but we're not quite sure how we're going to do it. And I bet that when she started with her hair accessories, she never dreamt that she could actually change the stigma around something as important as mental illness. I want for you guys to give yourself grace as you learn to figure out what is your true calling and how can you impact the world and to just embrace the season. Because I think so often in life, we feel like we have to pursue our deepest passions, but sometimes those passions can change. And and maybe your mission changes as time goes on and you realize that there's something bigger out there for you. I love Jen's story because if you look at what she's done over a decade, she's done some really incredible things. But something tells me that this season that she's in and the way that she's showing up are the real big callings of her life. Thank you so much, Jen, for showing up on this show. I hope that you guys check her out and tune in to her very own podcast. And until next time, gold diggers, keep on digging your biggest goals. Thanks for listening to the Gold Digger Podcast. Dive into the show notes for this episode and all past episodes at www.golddiggerpodcast.com. If you love the show, share it with a friend. The more, the merrier. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time, you gold digger you.